This morning we continue our sermon series, Thy Kingdom Come, which comes from that place in scripture where Jesus teaches us to pray and also to work for God's kingdom. The kingdom is both a present reality and a future expectation and hope. There are mysteries about the kingdom of God and they arise because the kingdom is present but not yet in all of its fullness. The inauguration of the kingdom by Jesus has taken place. The kingdom of God has come. But it will not arrive in all of its fullness until Jesus returns and makes all things right. Today is also All Saints Sunday. All Saints Day, November 1st, is intended to remember Christian people of all times and places, those people who have shaped us, the community of faith. We are a part of the body of Christ throughout all time and space. A saint, let's think about saints for a few minutes because I know for many of us this needs to be reframed a little bit when we come to this day every year. A saint, according to scripture, is a child of God who is redeemed by grace and living by faith. Here is an excerpt, I've shared this with you before, of how theologian and author Frederick Beekner defines saint. Many people think of saints as plaster saints or moral exemplars, men and women of such paralyzing virtue that they never thought a nasty thought or did an evil deed their whole lives long. As far as I know, real saints never even come close to characterizing themselves that way. In other words, the feet of saints are as much of clay as everybody else's and their sainthood consists less of what they have done than of what God has for some reason chosen to do through them. The Holy Spirit has been called the Lord, the giver of life. In drawing their power from that source, saints are essentially life givers. To be with them is to become more alive. Today is an opportunity to remember those heroes of faith those life givers who have gone before us. Death hurts and loss causes deep ache. The apostle Paul instructs the Christian community to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Sometimes these two are intermingled. So today we make space for sadness and grief, you bet, but also for joy and for gratitude. Holding particular kingdom people in our hearts. Let us now listen to two brief parables in Matthew's gospel, both of which begin with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. Helping us to learn something about what Jesus means by kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is Matthew's code, by the way, for the reign of God on earth. If you'd like to read with me, these are two brief parables. You'll find them on page 795 on the Bible, in the Bible, under the chair in front of you. God's word for us. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. 
Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you pray with me? Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts and our minds, may it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our deliverer. Amen. Jesus teaches about the kingdom by comparing the kingdom to a mustard seed. The kingdom of God, the way of God, the way that God works is this. Jesus tells a parable about a tiny, simple, and unimpressive seed, a mustard seed, which starts small but then grows absolutely large and tall. The mustard seed is also referred to as the smallest of all seeds later in Matthew chapter 17, where a faith as small as a mustard seed is able to move mountains. There are medicinal uses of the mustard plant, but it is important to remember that it was then, as it is now, a weed. It is significant that Jesus chooses a seed when easily germinated that tends to take over where it is not wanted and that it can quickly get out of control. The kingdom of heaven has humble beginnings. It is like a small thing that finds root and grows and grows, or put another way that people from my home state of Florida would truly understand the kingdom of God is like kudzu. <laughs> Many Southerners despise kudzu, the invasive plant that was introduced to the United States from Asia that has been spreading in the South at an alarming rate, earning it the nickname, the vine that ate the South. The kingdom of God is like an invasive weed. You plant in your garden and it takes over, covering all the things that we think are important until all you see is kingdom stuff. Jesus next illustrates his point by noting how a little bit of leaven in the beginning can pervade and overtake the entire mixture of dough in the end having an eventual astonishing effect on the whole. The kingdom of God is like leaven in this way. It will have an effect that is out of proportion with its beginning. The amount of bread produced in the parable of leaven, it is ridiculously large. The amount of flour here represents about 50 pounds of flour. It's an enormous amount of flour providing enough bread after the yeast is injected for over 100 people. Here we basically have two parables that say very much the same thing. The main point of them being the contrast between the littleness of the means and the largeness of the ends. The constant in both stories is the smallness of the agent, the smallness of the mustard seed and the leaven. However, it is not just about how little things turn into great things. It's more about how the kingdom of God takes over everything around it. The mustard seed takes over the field. The yeast takes over the bread. They are small and insignificant at the start. 
but they change everything around them. This is how the kingdom of God works. It is destined, the kingdom, to grow. What Jesus teaches seems pretty straightforward to me. I don't know about you. Yet, I think if we are honest, isn't this on some days difficult to believe? Because sometimes it seems like the things that we do to bring about God's kingdom aren't really doing a whole lot of good. The suffering in the world around us is agonizing, almost unbearable. We struggle to perceive the work of God in the darkness. We yearn to see the fruit of our labors and we question, does it all really matter what we are doing? Mustard seed faith says it is there. Steven Spielberg's Schindler's List is a historical drama. I'm sure many of you saw it. That was nominated for numerous awards in 1993, including Best Picture, which it was awarded. The film is based on the life, the real life of Oskar Schindler, the German businessman who saved the lives of more than 1,000 mostly Polish Jewish refugees during the Holocaust by employing them in his factories. His motives begin with profit for himself, but eventually his mission becomes one of compassion and urgency. Schindler put Jews to work in his factory making pots and pans. On several occasions, he was arrested by the Gestapo for consorting with Jews, but he was not deterred when the destruction of the Jews escalated. Schindler and his Jewish accountant and right-hand man in the rescue op operation Itzhak Stern, they began preparing a list of Jewish people who somehow might be spared from the Holocaust. Schindler uses his own money to buy their freedom. He decides upon a singular plan whereby more than 1,000 Jews were transported across the Polish border into Czechoslovakia, where he put them to work in a concentration camp making dummy artillery shells. He provided for their every need until his money ran out. Now for the powerful scene at the end of the movie. The war is over, the Jews were free to go. Schindler and his wife, they have to flee for their lives. The soon to be liberated Jews gather around Schindler, they gather around Schindler and his wife and they present him with a gift, a gold ring made from gold in their teeth, willingly given on behalf of the one who had given everything for their rescue. The ring is presented to Schindler by Stern. Schindler takes the ring and he reads the inscription which in Hebrew is inscribed the words, whoever saves one life saves the whole world. He is touched, but he feels he should have done more. He looks up and softly says, I could have got more out. I could have got more. I don't know if I just, I, I could have got more. Stern, the man to whom he's speaking, replies, Oscar, there are 1,100 people who are alive because of you. Look at them. 
Today, in fact, there are still living more than 8,500 living descendants who, of the Jews who were on Schindler's list of life during World War II. But Schindler goes on in the movie, and he says, if I'd made more money, I threw away so much money, you have no idea. If I just, I didn't do enough. Stern replies, Oscar, there will be generations because of what you did. But Schindler could not be comforted. I didn't do enough. He moved to the car to which he would make his departure. He would have bought that car. Why did I keep this car? Ten more people. He yanks the Nazi pin off of his suit lapel, this gold pin, two people. He then falls to his knees in agonies and cries, one more person. I could have got one more person, and I didn't. You're left with the sound of his sobs, Oscar, cut to the core that he did not do more. The reason this movie and memorable ending came to mind is because a friend and I spent time wondering together recently in a coffee shop about any potential difference we were making. In particular, my newly retired friend was looking back upon his contributions, wondering if it had been enough. In our eyes, in my eyes, Oscar Schindler did more than we could ever imagine accomplishing during our whole lifetime. Yet still, it didn't seem like enough. I think many of us can relate to Schindler's words, can't we, can't we, that no matter what we try to do, it seems it is never enough. And we carry the burden of knowing that we could or should be doing more. Friends, what f freedom comes when we begin to understand that it is not all about our plans and our work to bring forth the kingdom. What we do matters, you bet, and most of us are likely minimizing our kingdom contribution. However, it is critical that we understand that the growth of God's kingdom is the growth of God's power, not ours. The promise of Jesus is that the things we do that don't seem like much or enough, they are indeed the ways that God is bringing about the kingdom into God's world. Jesus offered not only a spark of hope, but a transforming hope in a radically different kingdom than was anticipated. And he ushered in a movement that truly turned the world upside down, a movement that exploded in the first, first century because of a empty tomb and Jesus's multiple resurrection appearances to multiple people at multiple occasions. What started with a small group of people huddled in fear that first Easter morning has grown to a community of over two billion followers of Christ throughout the world. It is a hope that cannot be contained. From small beginnings, we have a kingdom that has no end. With the needs of our country and the world so great, how do we hope to make a dent in the pain of the world when the pain in the world is so vast? Where do we even begin? 
It can seem too overwhelming, which can become an excuse for inaction. We can't help everywhere, but we can help somewhere. In the words of Mother Teresa, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. This is why we mobilize the Covenant family on the day of service to serve the needs of our community, recognizing that we are called to serve and to work for God's kingdom, to love our city, and to do small things with great love. We remind ourselves of our missional identity, and we collect books for a pediatric clinic and give blood and make sandwiches for firemen and organize clothes and knit hats for the homeless and write letters of encouragement to victims of human trafficking. We give of ourselves because of a concern that our neighbors flourish and we trust God to grow our small little offering. That's what we do every day of our lives. Friends, while it is characteristic of all seeds to be small, it is their characteristic too to be alive. A grain of mustard seed is small, but however, it is seed and it is in its disposition to grow. Jesus' gospel is alive with enough power in the world to in fact be trees of shelter and loaves of food for the needy all over the world. God's kingdom changes the world and it is already happening through you. And it has been happening through others who we will soon remember. Participants in the grand narrative and story of God's kingdom. Shortly, we will engage in a tradition of this community, the reading of names of those who have died this past year. Our lives contain many rituals. They give us a sense of belonging. This morning, we give thanks to God for the community of faith, including those who are no longer by our side. We stand on the shoulders of others who encourage us to live loving and generous lives. Some of them who had invested in us and loved us so well, they are now a part of that great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, spurring us forward, as it is now our turn to be faithful and to help others to grow. God's work is at work in us. God's grace is at work in us in seen and unseen ways. We remember today all who are united in Christ, whether dead or alive, for we are all saints because and only because of God's work through Christ our Lord. Kingdom people are the necessary salt, seed, yeast, and light needed to impact the world. Note that Jesus does not demand that we be the whole meal, the full loaf, or the illuminated city itself, but we are to be the quiet undertow that makes all of these happen. Brothers and sisters, trust God with the part you play in a much larger story as God redeems and transforms a larger world. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come, on earth as it is 
in heaven. Please pray with me. Loving God, we are keenly aware this morning of those who have already finished the race you have given them to run. How grateful we are for these heroes of faith, ancient and recent ones we have not yet met and those we shared life with intimately. May the witness of their lives give us courage and inspire us to persevere and to live faithful lives. Guide us and be our pace setter and our purpose, we pray. For we sure don't want to run this race in vain. It's amazing to participate in the work you are doing in your kingdom, O oh God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray together this day. Amen. <laughs>